0: Knows, I think I'm Kero O'Shea, the coordinator of the voice. This evening I'm delighted to officially welcome our patron and brand new Rotary International Director, Jesse Harmon. Welcome, Jesse.
1: Thanks, Caro. It's lovely to, to be with you. And I do feel like I'm here with friends, so it's lovely to see you all.
0: Fantastic. But Another important thing I do have to do is acknowledge the Wadjuk Mooma people who are traditional custodians of the land on which I'm hosting tonight's webinar. I acknowledge the strength of their continuing culture and offer my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Jesse, congratulations on ascending to your new role in Rotary. Can you tell us, please, what being a Rotary International Director entails?
1: I think the simplest way to think about it Caro is just to think about any other organization with a board and I would imagine just about everybody in this room has been on the board of an organization and so the the Rotary International board is is no different you know the board has the overarching responsibility for the sort of strategic direction performance and compliance of Rotary as a whole and that's the the association of clubs including rotary and rotaract clubs now of course as well as the secretariat you know the 800 staff in Evanston and the seven regional offices so so the role of the of a director on the board is is just as you would appreciate as a board member on other organizations and whilst i am drawn from zone 8 i am making decisions for Rotary as a whole so i'm a representative from not a representative of so so in effect that's the board it's it's 17 directors plus the president and president elect the only other slightly weird thing about the model govern of governance Caro, is that there is the the board role you know, which is traditionally a noses in, fingers out. You know, it's 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 governance, not operations. But there is one slightly operational element to the RI director's role, which is to, to support the regional leaders. So the Rotary coordinator, the Rotary Regional Foundation coordinator, public image co- coordinator and their team. So I have a governance role and then this slightly weird but... But I love doing it, Adrian. <laughs> slightly weird um, operational element around supervising and supporting the regional leaders, but that—that's the role.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Jesse. Tell us more about that operational role.
1: Well, we have—I mean, we have—we have the regional leaders whose role it is to support and strengthen clubs to promote Rotary's brand and and image, particularly within the broader community, and also to support participation in the Rotary Foundation. And, you know, they're they're resource specialists. They're like the librarians in a school, if you will. They're there to connect governors and and clubs and districts with the resources that governors and, and clubs need to do their jobs properly. So that's very clearly operational. There is also an expectation that the director will be the conduit between governors and, and the board simply because there is that closer relationship. That's probably the other slightly operational element. But the governors drive, you know, drive leadership of, of rotary clubs. That's not, that's not the director's role.
0: Thanks, Jesse. I'm sure that I'm sure that people would be interested in finding out how does what was the selection process for a International Director?
1: Well, I mean it was it, it was a competitive selection process. Mm-hmm. And so the first step was the first step was just meeting some of those hurdles, same sort of hurdles that you have as a governor. You know, you have to have been a governor, for instance, to at the moment to to be a director. So it was then a, a question about applying for the role. And and I went through quite a, you know, quite a discussion and debate about whether I would, partly because Rotary is so dear to me, I had to be certain that I could. Go through the process and be unsuccessful, and and still feel the same way. So it took me quite a quite a bit of deep thinking to decide I would throw my hat into the ring. I did that largely because I've been the beneficiary of so many opportunities in Rotary. I really felt like you know I I should I should give back. But so I threw my hat into the ring. I was interviewed. There was you know, an interview selection panel that was 2021 strong, you know, round a board table in New Zealand. On one level, a little daunting, but on another level, very beautifully and professionally managed. And I came away, came away feeling like I had done myself justice and whether I was successful or otherwise, it would be okay. I was also very confident and and i had the the secrecy around the process was beautifully managed but i had great confidence that if i wasn't successful somebody equally or more capable would be so you know it was a it was a process well managed professionally run felt like going for a job in every respect it was a positive process caro
0: fantastic fantastic and, and certainly yet uh, uh, with, with an interviewing panel of 20 or 21 that's a uh, interesting process but tell us a little bit about your background Jesse you had a, you were a district governor at one stage but you've done a, a lot of other jobs in rotary
1: yeah, yeah. so i joined i was like i joined a fabulous club i joined when i was 32 i joined rotary club of Wendary breakfast i walked into that club it was 50 50 men and women And the average age was about 35. And do you know, it wasn't until I went to district assembly a couple of years later that I realised not every Rotarian was like that. Um, So it was an interesting experience. But, you know, you you all know this. I was in the club and it got to be sort of my turn to be president. So I did that. and, And that was a fabulous experience. And then I thought, well, if that was great, I'll have a go at district governor. That was fabulous. You know, you got to see Rotary at its shiny best. You know, and then, and then, you know, somebody said, Would you? And I said, Yes. And I got the opportunity to be an assistant Rotary coordinator and a Rotary coordinator. And I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to be involved in the GETS training and to coordinate that. And then that opened a door to doing the same thing at International Assembly. Through my coordinator role, I got an opportunity to be on the Rotary International Membership Committee. That was that was fascinating. And then, you know, got a chance to chair that. So, you know, I've had lots of lovely opportunities through Rotary. And, and I suppose the advantage that I also had is that I was also building my career at the same time. So I've been able to use the skills that I've learned in Rotary in my professional life and I've used my professional life skills in, in Rotary and it has been a fabulous journey. I had no idea when Rosie King said come and join Wendery Breakfast that it would literally be life-changing and without wanting to proselytise, it has been, you know, it's been one of the best decisions i ever made.
0: Sounds like it too. It sounds like it too. What a mm. what a uh, what an awesome contribution to Rotary.
1: Well, that might be for others to judge. No, I've, I've certainly had lots of opportunities.
0: <laughs> well, I've heard lots of lots of people who I respect say some wonderful things about you. But uh, before I get too glowing in that regard, I wonder at this stage whether it's worth looking at your vision for rotary in zone eight. There's a brand new director on day one. I think there's uh this this is the perfect time to ask that question. So what is what is your vision? What what do you want to
1: um, say? I mean I think look my I think my vision is for a rotary that is modern and responsive, that is, you know, diverse that that is very much focused on addressing you know, current and and pressing issues. So, you know, he's relevant. So, you know, he's modern, he's responsive, he's relevant, um, you know, is is diverse. And and I I do, like all of us, want it want it to be the the, the premier organization for people that want to make a difference. And you know, I would uh, you know, and I, I I desperately want us to be here in a hundred years' time. You know, not many organizations get to be a hundred. You know, the yeah. fact that we are here is is yeah. fabulous. I would deeply, deeply like us to be here a hundred years from now.
0: Yeah, here. Looking at that, and obviously the one of the key things there, if we're going to be around the place in a hundred years, is that we still have we still have people in rotary, so. Let's let's look at uh, at an issue that I think everyone in this webinar has uh, considered at some stage or other. What do you see as the main membership challenges facing Rotary in Zone Eight and beyond over the next, say, let's say, ten years? Okay. And I where th- should? Sorry, go on, please.
1: No, no, finished the question. Sorry.
0: there was because there was I think what should be a supplementary question, which is where should clubs and districts be focusing their efforts but perhaps treat that as a supplementary if you could maybe address that that thing about the main challenges first yep. and then maybe go to clubs and districts
1: all right well I I I will move slightly into my academic role here for a moment. I think our challenge is is how we manage the changing needs of volunteers and our members and all of the evidence, suggests that volunteers are moving away from structured volunteering, moving towards informal volunteering, and rather than term-based regular volunteering, moving towards episodic volunteering, dipping in and out of volunteering as, as life cycle, life stage and needs change. That is fundamentally challenging for our model of volunteering that is highly structured and highly regular in terms of participation. I think those two things are particularly challenging. I think another challenge that we have is that as volunteering becomes more cause-based, and that is absolutely happening, it's happening across the board, As we become more cause-based, we are much less likely to want to invest in the organisation, you know, to be the secretary, the treasurer, the president, the governor. You know, that is a fundamental challenge for us as, as well. You know, so I think they are some of the fundamental challenges. All of the research says volunteers want more flexibility about how they volunteer and they want more meaningful volunteering roles. And I think that meaningful is the other important challenge that we have, is that as we move, perhaps as we've moved more towards fundraising, as we spread ourselves more thinly across a range of different, you know, projects and initiatives, we, we may have lost... I know maybe we haven't, but the risk is that we lose our meaningfulness. And with that, that's meaningfulness as it relates to Dee and Adrian and David and Kay. Hello, Kay. It is lovely to see you. You know, we don't, we have to get better at asking our individual members what floats your boat? How do you want to give back? Because we've done RI survey on RI survey on RI survey, and we say to our members, what does it mean to volunteer? And they say, overwhelmingly, I want to give back to the community using my skills and experience. We really have to, you know, we have to make sure we're doing that. You know, I think we do have some quite quite significant challenges to address, Kero, and, and I think a lot of it is about the changing nature of volunteering and how we respond to that.
0: Interesting that when we when we look at let's say at say recent times, we have some some models of clubs and districts, I see that we have Andy Roger Paxi with us, which are remarkably successful. Mm. And in the case, say, of the the Adelaide model, a success that, whereas some of our successes tend to be a bit of a flash in the pan where we have a big increase in members and we lose them, the Adelaide model seems to be different. And the baseline building that's happened in 9640, also, happens to be telling a promising and different story. What learnings would you take from from those uh, from those minority success stories?
1: And um, I'd take a number of things. One is one is that we have to look at the product that we are... that I mean, forgive me. My my academic background is in marketing. We have to look at the product we are selling. The product that we are selling is the club experience or something other than a club experience if we want to grow membership we have to focus on the product that we are selling existing and prospective members and that is that is you know the opportunity to be be part of a club and that might be problematic in the future but to, to to be giving back and to be making friends and and, and connections. What the what the success that we're seeing, for instance, in Andy's district is telling us is that people want to volunteer in a whole different range of ways, you know, and they want to be able to find a way that meets their needs. And a lot of the new style of clubs that are being developed, certainly by Andy, by Tom Gump in in North America, by by people all around the Rotary world, you know, they're clubs that are very flexible, much more much more informally orientated, much less structured, almost to a degree, let's bring the people together and see how they want to do Rotary. You know, And I think there is great appetite at the moment from the board down to find new and different ways to do Rotary you know, at the coalface. And we just have to give it a go. We have to suck it and see. We have to give ourselves permission to fail but we've had almost you know 20 years of not starting any new clubs sticking to this one particular club model and it and it's important and it's dear to us and I, there is nothing wrong with it but alongside that alongside that great big tree we need to plant seedlings you know we need to have other versions of you know membership and club experience happening and and I thought you know there is every evidence that people want to volunteer and they want to give back to the community and young people in particular we just have to find you know find the recipe that makes rotary attractive to those people
0: I was I'm encouraged by by two things that are that are probably uh, in very recent times one is the announcement. One is the announcement today that the, the I think it's the Rotary Club of Alexandra heads in on the Sunshine Coast is partnering with the Sunshine Coast's provisional, what was provisional passport club, so that they're going to sponsor this, the passport club and create it as as a satellite, and that's a tribute to. Uh, one of the unsung heroes in Rotary, a guy by the name of Les Walsh who's with us tonight and I'd like to uh, tip my hat to Les for his work in that regard. And the reason I remark on that is that with an average age of 73, do we need more folk of, of, uh, say, uh, in their 70s working on club building?
1: I hope everybody would work on club building. But I also acknowledge that Rotary is... Rotary is our recreation, it's our hobby, it's our leisure. You know, it shouldn't feel like hard work. I mean, not everybody is going to want to do it or want to do it well. I don't, I think I think it's it's the, you know, it's the life in the years that count, not the chronological years. I think, you know, there are some absolute giants of Rotary who have started clubs, you know, and will continue to start clubs. and And there are some young people that will do it, you know. And there'll be people in the middle. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't link it to age, Caro. I think anybody can act old, and anybody can act young.
0: Thanks, Jessie. The other, the other thing that I was going to observe was that I listened in on a, a link that uh, our, our Rotary coordinator Adrian sent me about a, uh, of a uh, presentation. Or a group discussion that happened at the Box Hill Rotary Club in Victoria, I think I've got the name right. And one of the learnings I picked up from that was one of the speakers mentioned that his daughter, is, is a, who is now a third generation Rotarian, who he never thought was going to to join Rotary, came to him and said, "I want to become a member of this new environmentally, I think it's, I'm paraphrasing a bit here, this new environmentally focused Rotary club." And his the point he made was that we could we could take we could market anything we like in terms of of the products we already have, but that was a case of a product meeting that particular young person's yeah. need. Yeah. is that the kind of marketing that you're talking about?
1: Well, I think it is. And these new types of clubs they won't weaken Rotary, you know they won't weaken Rotary. It, quite the reverse, they will enable us to connect with a whole range of people who will not or cannot join our conventional clubs but do want to be part of the wonderful impact of Rotary. So I think we're going to see m- more of this. And, yes, it will be different, but in the end we will unite around our core values, service, fellowship, leadership, diversity and integrity. And, and you know, that it's... We, we, all, we all work, we, we're in communities, we're in jobs. Things change, you know, and Rotary's doing that as well. But certainly I think we will see more new types of clubs to respond to the very diverse needs of volunteers out in our community.
0: Mm. Thanks, Jesse. You mentioned initiatives and modernisation. That's probably a, a good topic to look at now. Rotary International has invented has invested, I should say, in a number of a number of initiatives to modernise. Where do you think we should afford our highest priorities? What should be our highest priorities? Should we be going for everything or?
1: Okay, well that's an interesting that's an interesting question. Obviously we can't go we can't go for everything. We have, you know, limited resources. I mean, there are a number of models and let's 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 put a couple of them on the table. There is the Shaping Rotary's Future Committee that is that has produced or proposed a, 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 new, a new governance structure to take the organization forward. And, and that is very much focused around making leadership jobs more doable, you know, enabling more support to clubs. You know, m- making the path for young people into leadership roles more streamlined. it It has a governance focus. So we have we have that coming out of not the board, but out of a, a of a committee of of volunteers and and rotary international staff. We have our own zone eight regionalisation committee that's been working hard for for, for two and a half years to look at a range of things not just governance and structure you know but also other aspects of, of membership and, and and culture and communications and the like I, you know i think the case for change has well and truly been made i don't think we need to keep talking about the need for change i think we all get that what we need to have now is is a robust and respectful discussion and debate about the nature Of that change. I think changing the governance model is necessary. I think the nature of volunteering is changing. There will be less people available to do that governance. Our attitudes to to structure and formality and power relationships has changed. I think we need to change our governance model. But, but, I absolutely think we need to focus just as much if not more on the product that we sell and that is the club experience you know we need to we need to focus there and the shaping rotary's f- future people will say to me and i believe them that better governance better leadership will in the end translate to better better products you know, a better club experience. And I I accept that, but I don't know that we can wait that long. So I am hoping that everybody in districts is thinking about making more member-centric clubs, you know, enhancing the member experience, starting new types of clubs, just having a go. We are on a hiding to nothing if we do nothing, but we could make such a difference. If we just have a have a go. And I will never criticize anybody for having a go, you know, no matter what the outcome.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Jesse. The last 12 to 18 months has radically changed the way, the range of operations of clubs through through the pandemic, as mm. a number of have been, have been compelled to move online and the like. And I think that's been a positive experience for many. Uh, sort of cursing and swearing for others. How do you see, do you see opportunities for us to leverage on technology to address the governance and administrative challenges that are changing in the form of volunteering is taking?
1: Oh, um, I mean, I absolutely do. I mean, the the whole world is making a digital shift. There are many, you know, many... More. I mean, they talk about the rise of digital volunteering as one of the key volunteering trends. So we absolutely can capitalize on our newfound techn- technological abilities and platforms. You know, to connect donors to causes, members to members, you know, members to club leadership, you know, volunteers to to volunteer activities. We absolutely can do that, and and I think younger volunteers absolutely expect us to you know they you know my 22 year old son is a digital native he doesn't even notice technology because it's just absolutely ingrained so we can absolutely do that we can also use technology to reduce costs and the board has been talking very actively about you know costs and meeting costs and all the committee meetings now for the board even when we return to normal will be 50% less in-person meetings so technology will serve to Reduce costs. But I've got to tell you, just between me and you, after the period of lockdown I had, I was just overwhelmed and so grateful to be back amongst people again. You know, technology, we will use technology where it's fit for purpose to use. But in my opinion, when it comes to human relationships, it is a pale imitation of the real thing so you know god willing we won't lose the opportunity to connect personally we will just use technology where it's really appropriate sensible to do so
0: a good mix i've yeah. found and others others have suggested is that doing business online say on zoom and whatever board meetings and whatever is a good way to go yeah but socializing is something that's that's best done face to face
1: well, and I think we can do we can do both. We couldn't do this. I couldn't be with you all if we weren't doing this. I mean, and what's more, this jolly pandemic has shown us that we can do it. You know, three years ago we would have said, no, we can't meet over Zoom. Yeah, we can't do this. But in, in fact we can and we have because we didn't have an alternative. And I hope that gives us confidence that we can make some of the other changes perhaps that that we need to, you know, that we need to consider.
0: I'm going to, at this stage, invite Past District Governor Ewan Miller to 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 switch his microphone back on because he has a question for you about regionalisation and the legalities and coals and boards and all that sort of thing that oh he's best he's best asking.
1: Hello, Ewan.
0: Hi, hi, Jesse.
2: Um, we had a briefing as a cadre. Um, we had a briefing with Barry Rasson at the end of May on shaping the future of Rotary and the explain what was going on but at that stage it hadn't been to the board and, mm. and i think the board sort of been left aside in this whole process for quite a long time and i just wondered has that matter now come before the board and because i understand it has to go to the council on legislation mm. and uh, that's the advice i got from from the executive And therefore, we'll have to go through the board at some stage. And then, really, what I wanted to know was because I know the way he wants to do it, what impact do you think that's going to have on our regionalisation? So we've developed or trying to implement here in um, our zone.
1: Yeah, I think it came. I've had the advantage, and again, as a product technology, I watched board meetings for a year before I had my first Mm. one recently. It came to the board in in late last year, Ewan, and mm. in fact, and I think again in February this year. And there's, as you can imagine, a raft of different attitudes amongst board members. Gee, I have come to appreciate how challenging it is to make decisions for the world when Rotary is so different everywhere. So it came to the board. There was a, a level of discomfort about it. Barry describes the board response as lukewarm. And again, not not around the need for change. That's absolutely accepted. But it's around the different definitions of what regionalisation might be. The board then asked the Shaping Rotary's future committee to go away to do a lot more research. But also expressed interest in the the Shaping Rotary's future committee working with just a small number of areas of the world to pilot it. Because in a sense, you can't test these things if you don't mm-hmm. give them a go. It will have to come back to the board, Ewan, you are right, before it goes to council on legislation. And I, w- I mean, I would imagine, well, I'm not sure. Can I will come back to you and lay my bets a little when I know a little bit more about it. In terms of what it does for the local regionalisation group, what's really exciting about the work they've been doing is that there's a whole raft of stuff that can be implemented gently without great big structural change. And I think just little little wins build to bigger wins. And I would suspect that the local regionalisation group is pragmatic enough not to not well i think what they've done is they've argued the case very articulately to the shaping rotary's future committee that we couldn't just move to no districts you know we have legal structures they're there they just can't be dismantled it certainly can't be dismantled in the short term so i'm i'm conscious that 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 group has has articulated a sort of transitional model that would help the shaping rotary's future get to where they want to go much further down the track. I think I think I think it's a I think they'll work it out, Ewan, in a sense. But I will be interested to see how the board respond to it, because regionalisation does mean different things to different people on the board. At one level, it's as simple as more of the decision making being delegated from the Evanston office. To the local Sydney staff, at one level on the spectrum, it's there. On the other level of the spectrum, it's wholesale structural change.
2: Um, yes, I've noticed that. I mean, Holger and Shaker and don't seem to be as committed to this this wholesale change that Barry wants, but but they they certainly feel that at the regional level, there needs to be more. Of, independence and, and more separate authority they seem to want to do that. But and and I know that Barry at one stage wanted to have a whole lot of pilots and the board suggested that um, maybe a couple. And I know certainly they were thinking about zone eight as one of those pilots and, and maybe RIBI as another. But is it is that still the thinking or is that not yet there? Well
1: I mean I guess this is my gig tonight, I suppose. I, I could defer to a couple of other people in the room that could talk about it as well. But, but the, the local regionalisation committee or group has, has, has kicked off today a series of stakeholder consultations based around the Shaping Rotary's future model, the governance model that has a sort of regional council Clusters of clubs and section leaders, but but retains the district structure, albeit albeit with some reduced functions, particularly around that administrative area. So there's going to be a series of stakeholder consultations. They'll do it well. You know, David wouldn't settle for anything less. They'll do it well. They'll talk about it a lot, and and I think clubs will vote. But you and it will be a genuine consultation, and in the end, clubs will vote about whether they want to pilot you know a different governance structure and, and that's very important.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse, and thanks Ewan. Jesse, we've talked about we've talked about membership and the significant issues there. There's an issue that's been that's pretty key to membership, uh, club development and in fact, any form of major change that we want to to invest in, and that's that's leadership. There's a view, a very st- strong view, that by improving our leadership, we're going to improve our fortunes. But what would you see as the key attribute for this leadership development, and how should we develop current and future leaders? I th-
1: look. I think. I think leaders. Look, I, you know, far be from me, but I think leadership is about having a vision, having confidence, having courage, take taking risks, but taking taking with people with you as you go, whether you do it from the front or behind. But you know, you know, just just sharing that sense of of let's move this thing forward. You know, I think it is about having one eye on the future and one eye firmly, I mean, one eye on the present and one eye firmly on, on the future. And in the context of a volunteering organisation, I think it is about humility, you know, and it is about recognising that we are all volunteers. I think the challenge is that we have built jobs, particularly the governor job, but I suspect also the club president job, which are very administrative in there in their you know in their orientation and I think that gets in the way of leadership and I'm going to say something really controversial here too I think visiting every single club in a district also gets in the way of strategic imperatives because I think that is actually the least strategic part of the job and and I'm not convinced that we couldn't convince clubs that a really effective assistant governor visiting would be even more effective but this is absolutely the time where we need leadership and I don't think it's anyone's fault that we have some gaps I think we've bred a role that is very managerial and very administrative but Caro, I think you know I think that's something that we need to think about and I think you're right it's 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 got to be taken up and addressed in the training. And having coordinated the training, I, I think in in retrospect, I didn't do that well enough, you know. But somehow we have to find a way to do it and perhaps declutter the RI curriculum a bit. And I say that waiting for a bolt of lightning, but I don't think it's going to come.
0: Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. He's hoping that, that bolt of lightning isn't heading our way? so it's fair to say that given what we what we face probably it would be useful to perhaps consider what we ask our leaders to do and with a view to with with a view to removing or perhaps doing better some of some of the things that they're currently doing i think glenda has suggested the idea of Super cluster visits for, for governors, mm, so talk yeah. to a bunch of clubs at once. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think maybe if you said to a governor, I want you to do the three things that will make sure Rotary is in your district in 20 years' time or 50 years' time, you know, what are the three things that you could do that strengthen, really genuinely strengthen Rotary that would do it? it's not all rotary's fault too it's the fact that we've got districts that are incorporated entities and that have all the you know the regulatory burden around that and it's the it's the world that we're living in and i don't have the answer so i'm absolutely relying on you to help work this out because rotary is worth it
0: i think i think it's a fair bit that uh, everyone in the or most most in the audience would agree with that but isn't isn't what we have in the way of, of dis- incorporated districts and the hierarchy and that sort of thing a product of that of the hundred years? I mean, hmm. there are aspects of it that might be obsolete today, yeah. but they weren't wasn't obsolete say forty years ago.
1: No, no, that that's right. And again, it's it's linked to this, you know, the changing nature of volunteering. We used to like regular participation, and we liked formality and structure. It has been very fit for purpose. We would not be here 100 years later if it hadn't been. But, you know, things are changing. Rotary has changed, but we need to keep changing and we're probably at a point where it needs to be, you know, s- structural change, you know, driven driven by really effective leadership, which comes in many guises. But, you know, I suspect we are at that point juncture and that's okay. you know we can do this.
0: One of the aspects of leadership of course, one of the really one of the important aspects of leadership is communication. and here I mentioned one of my rotary heroes again. I've been looking at successful rotary clubs and what their leaders do and maybe less successful rotary clubs and what their leaders do. And one of the things, one of the trend lines through all of that is that leaders of successful, growing and what I call glowing organisations tend to be very proud of those, of those organisations and they tend to say so in their own way. Andy Roger Paxi is here tonight and he's a, he's a case in point. I can mention a number of others. What's your perspective on that?
1: yeah ab- absolutely and in fact i would i would take that uh, one s- step further and i c- i think karen's here on the on the line karen reminds me about a- approaches to change and i sit very squarely in the asset based approaches to change not the deficit based approaches to change deficit based approaches to change find all the weaknesses all the gaps harp on about those, try and solve them. The asset-based approach to change is about finding the strengths and then building on those. And I would much prefer we took that journey. We, we get that we're ageing and declining and shrinking. We get that. But where are the strengths that we can use to, to build on? The other thing I notice about communication is that we do talk a lot to ourselves you know, I feel like we should be putting a press release out every time somebody has a problem with homelessness or domestic violence or inequality or you know, all of those things, rotary rotary has a role to play. I and we we did that all the time in my university. You know, life, you'd 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 respond with media releases. You'd talk, you'd talk outside the community. We we don't tend to do that as much as we could. And, you know, I sort of committed as a director to try and talk more to, to, to non-Rotarians about the power of Rotary. It's actually easier to say than do, <laughs> but I'm definitely working on it. I'm certainly committed to it. I'd love all of you to do it because you, you you can all talk quite articulately about Rotary and the impact that it has. And we should have a seat at the table where they discuss a lot of these really pressing issues of the day.
0: Thanks, Jessie. We've mentioned assistant governors a couple of times and these in sort of interminable looks at linkages and whatever come to to a bit of a conclusion that assistant governors are the people who are on the ground with clubs, Way more than district governors can be simply because there are more of them and they tend to be to be local. Some great assistant governors out there, but as with the situation with maybe dropping things on district governors, do we utilise our assistant governors as effectively as we might in an era of great change? I su- I suspect we could.
1: I suspect we could do more. I suspect we could do more to enhance those roles, to make the roles themselves more meaningful as well as making them more effective because I do think they probably are the key. They're the key to supporting clubs and they're the key to giving the governor space to do more, you know, more more strategic work. But equally, we've got to have people willing to stand up and do those roles. You know, and that's challenging too. It's it's, it's a work in progress, Caro. But I think I think really good assistant governors, whatever we call them, could could really make a difference. Thanks, Jesse. And they do in lots of places. Mm.
0: Yeah, I know. I know lot. I know lots of good gov- of good assistant governors for sure. So do I? Looking at one of the things that I know is particularly important in some districts, I, and I tip my hat to District 9, uh, 9455 in Western Australia, diversity, equity and in, and, in particular, inclusion, what's your perspective on that in terms of a work in progress in, in Zone 8?
2: Yeah.
1: First of all, I think it's I think it's essential. I think societal attitudes now demand it. You know, the... The board has adopted a diversity, equity and inclusion statement and very genuinely want to, you know, operationalise that throughout the Rotary world. Again, it means different things in different cultures, but I think it is it is very important. I mean, I know Dee is doing wonderful work with Indigenous Australians and and reconciliation plans, as is the Honouring Indigenous Peoples group that has started in, in Australia. But we we do need that diversity. I mean, we we, we should start with inclusiveness because there's no point in just having diversity if you haven't got inclusiveness and, and, and equity. But we do, do need that. And in the end, diversity diversity of all forms is about A, looking more, more like the communities that we serve, but B, it's about, you know, more diversity more diverse thinking styles, you know, better understanding of community problems, better solutions, you know. So diversity is about, in the end, better impact. And I think it's absolutely expected in this day and age and we need to take a leadership, well, we need to catch up, I think, in some cases, and then we can take a leadership role.
0: Thanks, Jessie. Another issue that I know is, or another opportunity, if you like, that I know is close to your heart, Rotaract. Act. Mm. Uh, key Rotary partner. We've elevated Rotaract from being a, I think it was a project or something for fifty years to to being a partner and perhaps have a more a more valid place in the Rotary sphere. What do you see as the best way forward in Zone Eight to develop the relationship?
1: emphatically to ask Rotaract how they think they should do it I think that's I think that's really important I mean I have in my professional life spent 20 years surrounded by young people they are some of the brightest smartest in most energetic people I know and they are our future and they should be the architects of our future I'm I'm I've made a personal commitment to support and sponsor Rotaractors where I can because I think young people need us to open doors for them and that is absolutely something we can do and that's how we can make Rotary meaningful. I have received an offer from Rotaract to hold our national conference, our institute, in conjunction with theirs. Next year I have every mind to say that's a wonderful thing and we should do it. You know, we should be in the room together, side by side, you know, working working this out. And I think, you know, I think we should give Rotaractors access to foundation funds. You know, I think they should have access to our leadership roles. But equally, I don't think they should just be another Rotary. I think we need to give them room to be Rotaract, to be Fanta alongside Coke, if you will. You know, to be another option for particularly younger people who want to be with other people that that are like like them. So I think, I mean, I, Rotaract again is different everywhere in the world, but I I'm you know I'm excited about the prospect that Rotaract. I'm excited what they can bring to the table, but we also all need to listen to them, and sometimes that's tough. You know, we've been there, we've done that. We've 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 got scores on the board, but you know, I think in some cases we just need to sit down and shut up, and let them have a go. Which is rich, me having lectured at you for fifty-three minutes now. I'm sorry about that, <laughs> but I think I think we should ask rotor actors how they think we should do it.
0: And then we should listen. Thanks, Jesse. So, so the looking at the at the flip side of this, I mean, we, we've talked about young people, we've talked about talked about diversity, equity, and inclusion. One of the learnings, and David Egan here tonight from uh, members of Rotary Adelaide and part of the Rotary Adelaide remodelling. One of the learnings there was that by Highlighting the achievements of older members and by helping them to have their day in the sun, it actually that actually improved inclusion in the whole club because those people sort of felt like something other than a sort of an elderly pot plant. How can we, given that we have such a large cohort of older Rotarians, this obviously has, has potential leverage. How do you see us working that with, with the other challenges?
1: It's interesting because I don't see it as either or. I see it as either and. You know, I think I think, you know, families are made up of people of all ages. We are all here standing on the shoulders of the giants of Rotary that got us here, you know. And and we need to recognise that. And heaven forbid we make them feel like they're excluded, because 95% of our membership would go overnight. I mean, we we can't we can't do that. We have to find ways to be able to work together, and I think, and I think, on balance, we can do that. And I think, you know, more products in the product range is is one way to do that.
0: Hmm. Interesting, because I'm aware of an inclusion of a major inclusion exercise that's that's kicking off, and that's one of the parameters. The along with doing away with inappropriate behaviours and a bunch of other things to, uh, to improve the total Rotary product. But that learning from, from Rotary Adelaide was, was, mm. has been in, in there as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and it's been a wonderful example.
0: I want to go somewhere that I know you, you are really passionate about, Jesse, and that's public image,
1: mm. getting
0: our story out there. You've touched on aspects of it tonight. How do we get better at telling our story to a non-Rotarian audience?
1: Oh, Caro, you know, really, in an ideal world, I'd shut up and I'd just like to hear other people's views on everything that we've talked about tonight. I, th- I think partly, I think partly, it is about equipping our club members better to tell Rotary's story. So, I mean, the, again, the marketer in me, still the best marketing is word of mouth, you know, and I think we could do more to, to help our club members speak articulately about Rotary and what it does and the difference we make in the world. You know, I think it is, it, it certainly is about using our socials, you know, and our digital media, and we are all getting better at that. You know, I lament that the whole conversation seems to be about brand compliance at the moment, but I think we'll get over that. You know, it is important, but it's not the be-all and and end-all. I think we are, having said that, getting a much more compliant look about the brand, and I think that is actually a really positive positive thing. But I think so much can be done just by making sure that we have rotary collateral, you know, where we do our service, you know, and, and just... You know, and wear a bit of the gear. You know, and just just sing. You know, refresh all those rotary assets around the town, so that so that it all just does sing out with pride. You know, we're here. We're modern. You know, we we matter. Um, I think there's lots of things that 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 we can do. You know, quite apart from those big picture things about. You know, having a, a national voice, and uh, you know, and it's great that we've got Angela in Sydney now, our communication specialist in the Sydney office, and she's there to provide support and guidance. So uh, it is, it is one of the challenges, without a doubt. But we we can do it. Some very articulate people in Rotary, and there's some people giving lots of really good service that we can that we can. Um, i guess magnify and again if you can share ideas with me offline that would be great
0: fantastic thanks jesse well we've kept you working for the for the best part of an hour so far and uh, i usually work on an, an hour as being uh, mm. enough torture for uh, <laughs> for any presenters jesse so but one last question one last question and you might think you've already answered this one, but I've got to put it to you anyway. Rotary International Director, Jesse. why are you in Rotary?
1: Oh, because I have had the most amazing opportunities. I have had the most amazing professional development and personal development opportunities through Rotary that I wouldn't have got at work. I have met people and some of the most inspiring people that I would never have met through work you know I have I have I have seen people and I haven't done enough of this this will be my next chapter you know I've seen people literally changing lives you know building toilet blocks just doing all those sorts of things I wouldn't have got that at work and I wouldn't have got it just at home at home i mean i i am and in the end when i go i will feel like i have a little bit of a legacy and it'll be in all of you and all of the good that we've done in our in our communities i know exactly why i'm in rotary
0: and i think you've explained that pretty eloquently well, Jesse, that's the end of the formal part of the interview. But at this point, and everybody, everybody in the audience—I well, think most in the audience—will know what comes next. If you could all switch your microphones back on, please. That's it. And if you join me, if you join me in a round of applause for our guest of honor tonight. I
1: oh, will, and thank you, thank you for listening to me solidly for an hour. <laughs> That's tough work. <laughs>
0: you were you were fantastic. Thank mm. you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank mm. you.
1: All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a
2: lovely evening. Go and have a wine.